0: Uh, I appreciate, Meadowbrook, and your work and involvement in disaster relief, working with the service centers. Uh, Many of your folks came and helped us as we got the new-to-you store ready uh, back in January and February. A lot of your folks are involved in ministry, and I've been working with many of them for a long, long time. And consider them good friends and hard workers, which kind of led me to this message today. Because I see many of the people in our association, in our churches, that do a lot of ministry, a lot of things that people don't even realize that they're involved in. Uh, And so the title of my my message today is, Where Our Treasure Is To Be Kept. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. And we're going to try to answer some questions, because as I got to looking at this and and delving into it and, and... treasures are kind of one of those things we think we'd like to find one one of these days but we all want to go find that buried treasure uh, but there's a way to, to get treasure uh, that you may not see on this side of heaven but on the other side you will so my four questions are where is my treasure how did it get there what will I do with it and how many others are like me and don't really know a whole lot about treasures How many of you have ever read and thought about the treasures that you can lay up in heaven? Anybody? I posted a couple of questions on Facebook a few weeks ago as I was getting ready for this to just kind of get some feedback. And it was quite a while before anybody responded to my question. Um, And so that told me a little bit about this is not one of those things that people think a lot about. Um, But if you would stand with me as we read God's word, uh, Matthew chapter 6. 19, 20, and 21. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the reading of Your Word. Thank You for the truths contained therein. Father, help us to peel it back and understand it and Father, do our best to live it, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. Now, for those of you uh, ladies, if you would, dig in your pocketbook and get your checkbook out. Guys, if you've got it in your back pocket, go ahead and get it out. Uh, other folks that are, that are into electronic banking, get out your devices and pull up your app that's got your banking information on it. I want you to look at that real quickly. You're not going to have to share it with your neighbor or me, uh, but I want you to think about your checkbook. Or your bank account, however you want to look at that. You've probably heard the saying is, and it comes out of this passage of Scripture, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So how do you find out where your treasure is? Well, the easiest place I know to look is in your bank account and where you're spending your money. Uh, Because if your heart is for missions and ministry and church and for God and His kingdom a large portion of your money is going to go towards that endeavor. Now I realize, I remember, it's been a long time ago, but I remember being a a young uh, person, married with family, and the struggles of the low income and trying to make ends meet and all of those things. But I had a pastor in Pennsylvania when I was living there who challenged us. He said, I'll tell you what, if you will pledge to tithe... And at the end of the year, if you don't think that it's been worth it and God hasn't provided for your needs with the 90% that was left, I'll give you personally every penny back. That seemed like kind of a no-brainer to me. So my wife and I set out on this endeavor. We were struggling just like every other newlywed does uh, with two kids and working through that. But we took up the challenge. Well, 41 years later, we're still giving And we never asked the pastor for the money back. Because we discovered pretty quickly that not only did God stretch the 90, it was more than the 100% we started with. It just worked. I can't explain it except it's God. Does that make sense? That should be explanation enough. It's just God. But you know, there's more to treasures than money. Because if we're going to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven, what value is money going to be to us in heaven? We're not going to be buying and selling anything, so obviously currency is not what the treasures that he's talking about here. What do you think he's talking about the treasures in heaven? This is where you get to talk. What's that? Okay, what else? Okay. Crowns. This side's pretty good. Is this side over here asleep? <laughs> Come on. What's he talking about? What kind of things do we get to lay up in heaven? Jesus' Thank you. And how are we going to discover that? Come on, you got them in your lap. Probably. There you go. That's where we find out what the treasures are. But the most valuable treasure that we will encounter and discover is whom? Jesus, it starts there. If you don't have Jesus, the rest of it doesn't mean anything. Because you can't work your way there, you can't be good enough, you can't give away enough money, you can't help enough folks to buy your way into heaven. Jesus said He was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So that's the first and greatest treasure that we've got to focus on. So, if I had you look at your checkbook or your bank account, or at least think about that, to see where your earthly treasures, your money went, how would you find out how you stack up in Jesus being the greatest treasure? What are some things that we might measure that would show how much we value Jesus? This is where you get to talk again. Hmm? Being obedient, absolutely. Doing work, yeah, we are to work and serve in the kingdom. That's exactly right, but it doesn't get us there. But because we're saved, we want to work. That's good, okay? What else? Love brother. Okay? Come on. Young people, you guys got this one. How do we how do we measure how much we value Jesus? What was that? Absolutely. The Bible's pretty plain about that, isn't it? And how much time we spend in the Word seeking Him, getting to know Him, loving on Him, sharing with Him our burdens, and more importantly than all of those, listening to Him. I spent some time this morning have a daily quiet time, prayer time. Most of the time, if you're like me, Uh, prayer time is a lot of me giving him my list any of you ever done that these are the people I want to pray for the things that need prayer for situations going on in my life but for some reason in, in my time this morning I told God I just want to listen today you talk to me and sometimes you have to get the Bible out and read through that and God will speak to you through the word But sometimes you just have these impressions that come in as you're meditating on God and who He is and those things in your life. These are the treasures that the average non-believer never will experience. They'll never understand the peace that comes in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it's not always fun, is it? Because one of the ways that we have treasures laid up for us is when we're persecuted. Now, we in America have some form of persecution, but where, where in the world is persecution really severe? Give me some places. Okay. Where else? Russia, China, Middle East, Muslim countries, Africa. Okay, That's real persecution. We have our rights infringed on, or at least we think we do, and things are getting tougher in the United States for us, but we still have it good compared to 99% of the rest of the world. Okay, um, But if we're not real careful, uh, more and more of our religious freedoms, so to speak, are going to go away because of being politically correct and you know, not wanting to offend somebody and those kind of things. So... Persecution may come in, t- in greater uh, lengths here in the U.S., but it's in different parts of the world. And if you follow, uh, get any of the tweets or some of the things that go on in the world about the persecution that happens, Christians being beheaded and killed and families destroyed and uh, those kind of things, that brings with it a special reward because they stood up for their faith. Um, and so... I, I, I've never experienced that kind of persecution of any of you. Probably not. Probably not. But it does go on and it happens every day in parts of the world. So there are saints laying up for themselves treasures in heaven by the sacrifices and the persecution that they endure. Now that's not why they do it, but that is a byproduct of what they get as a result of being in those situations where they stand up for their faith. In 2 Timothy 4.8, various crowns are mentioned. It says, there's a reserve for me and a future crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. How many of you are looking forward to the eastern sky breaking forth and Jesus coming back? Okay? I am. It's got to be getting closer every day. It just has to be. With all that we see going on in the world and those things that are happening. Of course, they've been saying it for decades. I understand that. But it just seems like it's got to be really close. The goal for us is to be ready. And to have as many others ready as is possible. Uh, If we just have our fire insurance and we're secured in our relationship and know we're going to heaven but we don't care enough about other people to tell them about it, Uh, that's not very uh, loving one another, is it? That we would want to keep that information to ourselves. And so, one of the things that I read when I was going through this and preparing for it, if I had learned it, I had forgotten it, which is possible. Uh, But when Jesus comes back, He's bringing our rewards with Him. Do you understand that? What that means? That's a promise of God that when He does come back for us, and He is coming, part of all we're going to be experiencing some unusual and different things for us anyway. If we're alive and when He comes, we're just going to take off. They used to have rapture practice where, and I think they still do it. They just don't call it that anymore. Where they just kids just jump up and down. They just do it now, and they listen to the music. Uh, but we used to call it rapture practice. Um, but we're going to just soar. So if you're afraid of heights, I don't think that's going to be an issue at that at that point. But not only is that going to happen, we're going to see Jesus and his army of angels that he's coming back with. But he's going to have with him our rewards. It's going to be one of those things that those of us who believe and have accepted are going to get. Now the question that I have is, well, if if I'm not going to buy and sell stuff, what do I need rewards for? Anybody have an answer for that one? What am I going to do with these rewards? Yeah, I'm going to lay them. I'm going to give them back. I don't need them. My rewards being in heaven is enough for me. How about you? The rewards that I get. I just want to give them back out of a heart of appreciation because that's the same measure that we get heavenly rewards. The motive for why we do things. A lot of us can do a lot of good stuff. We can help the elderly and take care of the orphans and and minister all over the place. But if we're doing it for the praise of man, the Bible's pretty plain. It says you've already gotten your reward. But if you do it out of a heart of gratitude to give back to the kingdom and to help elevate Jesus in the eyes of those that you're ministering to, now my attitude and my is a pure motive. The, uh, this is hard for us as, as believers. Who's going to determine what my motives are? Jesus, He's the scorekeeper. I don't have to worry about judging your motives. I just have to worry about judging my motives. Because Jesus is the only one that knows everybody's motives and whether you've done it for the right reason or not. So he's keeping the score. He's chalking up the rewards that you're going to get and why you're going to get them. And so when he comes back and he brings rewards with us and we get to give them back. You know, my... The one thing that I've said in my ministry all along is the only thing I want to happen at the end of my time, whether I die and enter into His presence or I'm here for the rapture, I want to be able to stand in front of Jesus and have Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all I need to hear. Do you live your life in such a way that that's a goal of yours? That you're not trying to necessarily please mankind, our friends, relatives, and neighbors. But the only one that you have to please is God. Now, does that mean we do it all right? No. Uh, no one is perfect. The only one perfect person that ever lived, we killed. Uh, we took Jesus and He went to the cross for us. So that we could have everlasting life. And so none of us are perfect. Paul encourages servants that uh, that God has an eternal reward for those who are motivated to serve Christ. Colossians three twenty three and twenty five says, "Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically, as something done for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance." See, that's another one of the rewards is an inheritance. If, you, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been adopted into the family of God. So that means that all of us who are believers are part of the same family, and we all understand what an inheritance means, right? God owns it all, and He's going to divide it up. That we all get an inheritance. We inherit eternal life and the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know what our mansions are going to look like, but I don't think they're going to look like the, an outhouse. I think they're going to be pretty nice. They're going to be more than adequate for our needs in heaven. And it's one of those things that, you know, we, our minds try to envision what it is. But John, writing on the island of Patmos when he wrote Revelation, and he was trying to describe heaven as he saw it, he couldn't do it. He tried to put it into some uh, imagery that we might kind of grasp, but he he had seen it and still couldn't get his arms around it. So that tells me it's going to be way beyond anything that Disney or Pixar can create on the TV screen. And if we're not careful, we get a lot of our theology from some of those flicks that are out there, uh, some of the movies that are out and just I'm not picking on Noah, but the one that was out about Noah and some other ones. Uh, people are actually basing their theology now because they've watched the movie and they assume that it's the biblical narrative. And it isn't. And so we have to be real careful with our young people. There's nothing wrong with those movies. If you want to go see them, the message is sometimes decent. But if you base your theology on a movie, you're missing it. Where do we get our theology from? Word of God. That's why we come to church and have Bible study is to get into the Word so that we understand the real reasons this thing was written and so that we understand it from a biblical standpoint, not a worldly standpoint, okay? When we live sacrificially for Jesus' sake or serve Him by serving the body, we store up treasure in heaven, Matthew 10, 42. And and whoever gives just a cup of cold water to one of the little ones Because he is a disciple, I assure you, he will never lose his reward. How many of you serve in the Baptist Service Center? Thank you, first of all. uh, That is a great ministry. We have salvations every week. Uh, If you're available Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, they can always use more help in those ministries. Um, And that's giving a cup of cold water. We're providing food and clothing uh, to these folks Uh, And I know there's frustrations with it. We have abusers of the system and people that use it and those kind of things. But for those folks who come through there that hear the Word of God for the first time and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it makes all the other junk worthwhile, doesn't it, Don? It does. Great ministry. The thrift store that we now have, the new to you store, um, it's a little bit different ministry. Folks do get the gospel shared with them there. But it exists to make money to buy food for the service center so they can give it away when people come for food. Um, They pray with folks when they come into the thrift store. It happens almost daily that somebody comes in, they're hurt, and they find out about it through a conversation, have prayer with them. Uh, But they're ministering to people. It's a ministry. And I tell our folks, if, if it's not about ministry or evangelism or both, I'm not interested in being involved with it. Otherwise, we're just spinning our wheels and doing things that make us feel good. And if I feel good and you pat me on the back for a job well done, what does that do for my reward? I just got it, if that's my motivation for doing it. Now, that doesn't mean if your motives are pure and you work in a service center or you go out here and hand out bottled water on the street or whatever, and you're doing it because you care about people and you want to show them the love of Jesus, and I come along and congratulate you on a great job, that doesn't take away your reward in heaven. Because your motives are pure for doing it. So it's okay if somebody appreciates what you're doing. That's okay. You just have to know your motive for why you're doing it. And making sure that it's pure. The Lord's going to be faithful to reward us for service we give to Him. Hebrews 6.10 for God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you showed for His name when you serve the saints and you continue to serve them. Our ministries may differ, but the Lord we serve is the same. Now look at the person on your left and look at the person on your right. For the most part, do y'all look anything alike? Probably not probably not. There might be some similarities among family members, but for the most part, we're, God created us differently, didn't he? Not only do we look different, but we have different gifts and talents. Um, I he didn't gift me with a voice. I can't sing a lick. Just don't I love music, got to play it all the time. But I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Just it's just not one of the things I have. I appreciate people who can. And we'll use that talent to serve God and to exalt Him. Uh, How many of you know what your spiritual gift is? I got a few hands popped up. Okay, John's got some work to do, David. We're going to have to get him on this. Um, We've got a uh, Calhoun Baptist actually invested in a spiritual gift software that's free to your church to use. Uh, If you'll come to the leadership training August the 20th, we'll teach you how to use it. You can go on there and take spiritual gift profiles and find out what your spiritual gifts are. You probably already know what they are, or or people who are around you know what they are, they just haven't told you. Uh, But as you serve in the kingdom of God, and as you go about your daily life, uh, people are gifted in different ways. My, My top two gifts typically are Uh, teaching and administration. That's the two that always surface and sometimes they'll flip-flop a little bit depending on where I am and what's going on in my life. Uh, But teaching and administration, which is why I preach the way I do. I'm a teacher more than a preacher. Um, But I operate in those. Well, I know what my giftedness is and I'm the most comfortable in the role of being a teacher and doing administration. It's what God is... Created me to do. Does that make sense? He created you to do something and he gave you the the abilities, the giftedness to be able to do that. Um, There's uh, some people have the gift of giving. They they they're always writing out checks and giving away money and blessing people and ministries, and they love every minute of it. They don't mind, it doesn't bother them at all. To keep giving away money because they know God's going to just keep giving them more to give away, but He gifted them with that with that blessing. Um, but there's a there's about nineteen or twenty different gifts that you could have any combination thereof, and they do change depending on your season, station of life, needs. But the neat thing about the giftedness that that's there is when you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit. True. He filled your life at that point. As a result of that, He has the ability at any given point in your life to resurrect or to bring out one of those gifts that you may never thought you had. You You may be known as somebody who doesn't have the gift of mercy, but God can cause that to come up in your life when it needs to be that you extend mercy to somebody that needs it. Does that make sense? because you have the Holy Spirit living in there, and He's the one that gives the gifts, you have the ability to operate in any of those gifts at any moment. But it's through using those gifts that we're most likely to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. So not only does God expect us to do good things, He gave us the ability to do good things. Isn't that just like God? God. You don't have to do it in your own strength and your own power. He gave you the ability to do that. You just have to turn it over to him and let him show you how that works. And operate in that spiritual realm. Now John said he usually had y'all out of here by one o'clock. Is that true? No, he keep y'all longer than that? No, I promise you we're soon done. I know Pat's crew's ready to go to lunch. Now, as we talk about wrapping this up, Second 2 Timothy 2.15 kind of sums it up for me. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth, that we can recognize false teaching when we hear it. The treasures that await the child of God far outweigh any trouble or inconvenience or persecution we may face. That's another reason, I'm not going to just pick on the young people here, but all of us have got to study the Word of God. There is so much false teaching out there today. Easy believism. um, you can turn on your TV and listen to some of the radio programs and those kind of things, and just drive up and down our streets and the different uh, churches that are started out there, and they call themselves churches, but they're teaching false doctrine. And we've got to understand that it, we can be led astray, even though we've, we grew up in a Baptist church. About half of the Mormon faith and the other and about a third of the Jehovah Witness are former Southern Baptist. Now what does that tell us about our teaching of our theology? We ain't doing such a hot job if they can be easily led astray into those things that we recognize as being cults because they teach another way to heaven than through Jesus Christ. There can't be any compromise there. Can't be. I understand that when they want to teach bank tellers how to identify counterfeit money, Do you know what they use to teach them about that? The real thing. They make them study those bills inside and out, front and back, forward and backwards, everything about that bill. They know how it looks in their sleep. Because when they see one that doesn't look like that, they know what? It's not real. It's counterfeit. So how can we know whether faith is real? We've got to study what we believe and know what we believe and be able to identify that that's different, that's out of the ordinary, that's odd, that just feels and looks different. Or we're going to be led astray. Romans 8.18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. I know our political... Uh, climate in our country is in a turmoil right now. Uh, we're struggling with sometimes that people feel the lesser of two evils. Which one's that going to be? Um, I do know that God is still on the throne and He ordains uh, kings and rulers to be put in place. I don't know what His answer is in this election, but I know we've got to be faithful to find out the ones that are holding the closest to what we believe. And so you're going to have to get in there and do your homework. Don't accept what you're hearing from the media. Uh, depending on what channel you listen to, they're going to tell you what they want you to hear, uh, not what you probably need to hear. But even if our choice doesn't make president this time, and things change in our country, what does that do for our religious beliefs and our, and our commitment to serve God? doesn't change, does it? God's world's not going to be rocked if, we, if our, our choice for president doesn't make it. He already knows who that's going to be anyway, doesn't he? All I know is we've got to keep the doors of the church open. We've got to keep folks coming in. We've got to keep listening and studying the word. We've got to keep working and serving and ministering in our community. Not so we get the rewards, but because of the Savior that we serve who will give us the rewards if our motivations are correct. That's what it comes down to. The more persecution we endure in our country, the greater the church does. Do you understand that? You just look at China and some of our other countries that are closed countries. When there are supposedly not any religious organizations going on, they go underground and thrive. We may be a church heading for underground. Before it's all over with. I don't have the answer to that question. I'm not a prophet. That's not my spiritual gift. But I just know that if it does happen. That the church will do. The church is going to endure. Because Jesus built it. If we built it. Then it won't. And so that's what it's about. It's about serving with the right motives. The right attitude. For the right reason. But you can't serve something that you don't believe in. And so. There are probably some folks here today who've maybe never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You don't have that belief so that you have the uh, the motivation and the opportunity to serve. And so today is a day you can make that right. You can choose this day to say, I'm going to follow Jesus and make him Lord of my life. Many of you, in fact, probably most of you um, are believers. You've trusted Jesus My challenge for you today is, is that you ask yourself the question, what is my motivation for serving? Or maybe the harder question, why am I not serving my Savior? Because I know that the church is put together as a body and that everybody that's here is a part of that body and if part of the body is not functioning, then the church is dysfunctional. And so everybody needs to be doing their part. Not just within the church walls, but outside in the community. Because we are a church as a whole. So if you would, stand to your feet. We're going to have prayer. We have an invitation for you to respond. Perhaps to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'll be happy to share with you how to do that. Or if you just want to come to the altar and pray and ask God to work in your heart and life. To... um, Help you be a better servant and a more motivated servant. That would be appropriate too. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for your blessings. Thank you for the word and the truth contained therein. I pray, Father, for those that need to make decisions today, that you'll lead them to, the, to make those decisions, whether they do it publicly or uh, privately. I, I just pray, Father, you'll speak to hearts and that you'll touch lives today. For it's in Jesus' name.